0: June 23rd, 2018 is probably not a date that stands out to most of you in this room. It was on this day that 12 young men, age 11 to 16, they played a soccer game together. They were celebrating one of the young boys' birthday, and they decided to do that in this very cave. You can just imagine the excitement. They rode there on their bikes. They've got snacks. They've got gifts. They get back into the cave, and they realize they've got a major problem because the cave was starting to fill up with water, and some of the boys did not know how to swim. So they left the gifts behind, they scattered to the very back of the cave to a a place called Pattaya Beach a place that they knew from experience was a little higher in elevation and there they began to wait Days started clicking by days turned into over a week and they weren't even sure Anybody knew they were in this cave The very first 24 hours they indeed had a light But after 24 hours that light went out They had a few snacks that they had jammed into their their shorts, but again after about 24 hours those snacks were gone I want you to imagine this evening Sitting in that kind of darkness Not sure if you're ever going to be rescued Not sure that anybody even knows you're there and then imagine about nine days later When a light comes up out of the water And all of a sudden you realize there's hope Two divers had found them They came up out of the water Can you imagine for just a moment the the celebration, the excitement that that light represented? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to leave those boys in the cave for a few minutes. And I want you and I to walk out of that cave and have a very serious look around our own culture. Because, church, I'm here to tell you that right now in America, it is pretty dark out there. And they desperately need the light. You say, Brad, what do you mean by being dark in America? Consider for just a moment what they're teaching our kids. You got cartoons like Blues Clues and Peppa Pig, very popular kids' series. Not only did Blue's Clues have a gay parade, they actually had a transgender parade marshal for that parade. Or how about this? Some of you remember cereal boxes containing prizes in the bottom. Now I realize I'm showing my age a little bit. But the idea was, you know, you poured the cereal out and and whoever's bowl that prize fell into, they got to keep it. Now I live with two of the meanest brothers you'll ever meet, meanest snakes, who would take their dirty, sweaty, nasty arms, reach in the bottom of that cereal, and claim the prize for themselves. But never ever one time did I think that cereal companies would start promoting transgenderism. Choosing your pronoun is what they're asking kids to do today. Pixar, Disney, they've all gotten in on the act. And so one of the things I need everybody in this room to understand is there is a massive battle going on for the heart and the soul of our children. Several years ago, James Dobson wrote a book called Children at Risk. I want you to listen to what he said back then. Nothing short of a great civil war of values rages today throughout North America. He said, two sides with vastly differing and incompatible worldviews are locked in a bitter conflict that permeates every level of society. Two things about that quote. Number one, he's right. Number two, he wrote that 33 years ago. Anybody think the battle has gotten even bigger since then? absolutely it has some of you in this room you grew up with Sesame Street you learned your letters your numbers and yet today that same program is promoting the LGBT agenda to our kids in fact you've got a a state representative who is claiming that married moms and dads are dangerous For kids and un-American. And folks, stop and think about that. When you've got, I don't care what political party they are, but when you've got a politician who is saying that married moms and dads are are dangerous and un-American, that ought to tell you a little something. You've got the Church of England that is wanting to make the Bible and God gender neutral or how about California California that has submitted a bill that would make pedophilia not a crime but a sexual orientation now that intrigues me a little bit because I I keep my finger on the pulse of culture and one of the things that I know is if this bill passes they will be allowed to drive school buses work in daycare centers teach in schools because after all that's just their orientation Or how about facebook promoting the idea that there are 59 possible genders out there my question would be why stop at 59 or drag queen story hour that is being used to promote this perversion to our kids and by the way, if you don't think this is coming to Tennessee, it's already been here. Three times in Clarksville, by the way. So I'll say again, I think there is a massive battle going on, and Satan is coming after the hearts and the souls of our children. If you have a Bible, flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 with me, and let me kind of set the stage for where we're at in the Bible. Second Timothy we believe is probably one of Paul's very last letters He is in a dark dank nasty prison in Rome He is towards the end of his life He's writing to this young man who he has been mentoring to for quite literally decades Look at what he tells Timothy but know this that in the last days perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves okay let's pause right there for just a moment anybody think that maybe social media is causing people to love themselves he says lovers of money now I know that doesn't happen in America right boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, he says, but denying its power. You know, as I'm reading through that list, that basically sounds like the evening news today. You got people without self-control, people who love pleasure rather than God. And as a result of that, our culture is reaping the fruit. Add to that social media and our children. And moms and dads in this room, let me just say as a side note, social media is probably here to stay. It's how our kids are, are communicating with each other. And so we need to be informed but we also need to be protective. The latest research has showed that multiple platforms of social media is causing depression, causing anxiety and feelings of isolation in our kids. In fact, suicide has gone from the 12th leading cause of death in young people, it's now number 3 and climbing. It's up 13%. So think about this for just a minute. Our kids are feeling more depressed, more isolated. More of them are killing themselves. And oh, by the way, Harvard University, a school that was started, by the way, to teach the Bible, just recently hired an atheist as their head chaplain. Wrap your hands around that one for just a minute guy who doesn't even believe in God. And yet he's going to be their chief chaplain? What does the Bible say? Psalm chapter 14 verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Bible speaks about people who don't have any belief in God. And it doesn't mince any words at all. Flip over with me to Romans chapter 1. We had read for us just a moment ago a portion of chapter 1. I want you to pick up with me in verse 28. Paul here writing to the Christians at Rome, he says, Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness. Sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliceness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. He says they're whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them Paul here saying look we got some folks who God has quite literally given over to a debased mind and I would suggest to you the same thing is happening today in America some of you remember growing up with Barbie dolls We don't do Barbie dolls much anymore because, after all, they need to be gender-neutral dolls. Or how about transgender play figurines for your toddler? By the way, if you don't think this is having an effect, please understand, 4,000% increase in children identifying as transgender. 4,000% increase. Just how bad is it? In the year 2007, there was a single clinic in the United States. It was the Boston children's clinic that would perform sexual reassignment surgeries on minors. Just one today there's over 50. Now, let me just go out on record and tell you guys to perform that kind of surgery on a minor is evil. And yet it's become the norm in our country. A lot of people out there think, you know, the way we can fix this is we, we gotta we gotta get the right person in Washington. We gotta pass the right kind of laws. Other people say, no, what we need to do is we need to bring prayer back in school, and, and that'll help fix some of this. Well, this evening I want you to understand if we're really interested in fixing it, we gotta get serious about the home. The best way to combat all of this is to rebuild the family the way God intended it to be If I were Satan and I wanted to destroy a country like America, here's the thing. I wouldn't start in Washington D.C. You know what I'd go after first I would go after fathers And I would convince fathers that all you got to do work 40-hour week come home pick up the remote get into that recliner you've done your job after all you you don't need to worry about being the spiritual leader of your home you've put in forty hours and then i would turn my attention to moms and i would convince moms to let everybody else in the world raise their children besides them i I would go after grandparents and I, i would tell grandparents hey All you need to do is spoil your grandchildren materially. Don't worry about their spiritual well-being. Then I'd go after teenagers. And I would convince teenagers to rebel, to, to be disobedient to their parents, and to question everything mom and dad ever put before them. And then I would make sure that Pretty much as a culture, most people believe they were pretty good. Folks, if I could do that, I don't need to go to Washington, D.C. because I've already got you. I need you to understand this evening, a child born in, in America today has the very real possibility of watching the demise of the Church of Christ in this country now make sure you didn't put something out there that I didn't say I understand the church is gonna continue until Jesus comes back amen but we're not guaranteed it's gonna be strong in America in fact it could be a remnant in America you say Brad why would you say that well, let's, put a, let's put some numbers to it about every three years 21st century publishes the Church of Christ directory where they use real numbers for every congregation. You'll notice back in 2006, we were sitting at 1.24 million. By 2009, we dropped to 1.20. 2012, 1.18. 2015, 1.15. 2020, 1.09. By the way, that's before the COVID hit. Anybody see a trend? Folks, on average, we're losing 10,894 members of the Lord's Church every single year. That is 29.8 a day. You say, but still, Brad, why why would you say that a a child born today could see the end of the church in America? let's do the math. So let's say there's 1.09 million members of the Lord's Church as of 2020. But we also know we're losing about 10,894 a year. Which, simple math, you just simply divide those two and here's what you come up with. Folks, unless we get serious about the home and about Our church family, in 100.4 years, it'll be a remnant here in America. And here's the thing. Most of you in this room, you know it because you've watched congregations already starting to close their doors. How could it happen? Well, maybe it's because baptized children, they, they believe that they're good, And then they basically come up out of that water and they spend the rest of their lives living in the world. They never put on the new man. Because after all, they they view Christianity as just something you do once or twice a week. It's like checking off that box. Folks, being a follower of Christ is not checking off a box. It is a lifestyle you're living every single day. I read for you this morning Psalm chapter 78. I won't rehearse that, but I do want to call it back to your mind. Because as we're talking about this battle that's going on for the souls of our children, I need you to understand just how critical it is for them to have a fidelity to Almighty God. It's interesting. We have a a strong allegiance to many things in our country. There are some of you in this room, if I gave you a Dodge truck, you would rather push it into a ditch than be seen driving it. And there's some of you, you would never step your foot behind a Ford. You think Ford stands for found on the road dead. And you know what? You've passed on those allegiances to your children. Your sons realize if it don't have a bow tie on it, I ain't driving it. And by the way, ladies, you've done the same thing with places you shop. We we pass on our allegiances. My question is, have we spent as much time imprinting on them an allegiance to Almighty God? Because here's what I know. I know in too many churches we got a lot of broken families. I, I don't think it's by accident. In fact... I want you to read very carefully the words of a professor, New York University. Now, let me qualify her quote before I I read it to you. I actually contacted this lady because I wanted to make sure I wasn't taking her out of context. I, I want to make sure what she said was really what she said. And let me tell you, it is, and then some. Linda Gordon says this the nuclear family must be destroyed people must find better ways of living together whatever its ultimate meaning the breakup of families now is an objectively revolutionary process no woman should have to deny herself any opportunities because of her special responsibilities to her children families will finally be destroyed only when a revolutionary social and economic organization permits people's needs for love and security To be met in ways that do not impose divisions of labor or any external roles at all. She's she's putting it out there playing. We got to destroy the family. Well, folks, as Christians, we should go to war against this idea. Because who instituted the family? God did. So all over the world, here's what we got. We've got families that are in crisis all over the place. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. It's interesting to me. We, we say it, we quote it, we preach it, but do we really mean it? Do we really view our children the way God does? And as you're thinking about that, Consider the very next verse where the psalmist paints this picture. He says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Parents, you and I are God's archers. Our children are God's arrows. We are to launch them towards that bullseye that we call heaven with forethought, with determination. We don't just haphazardly let the the arrows go. We have our eyes set on the prize. And that's the direction we send them. By the way, if you're waiting for our culture to launch your children, think for just a moment about what direction they're going to be sending them. It's not to the same bullseye, I can promise you that. At the crux of the matter is this right here. And I hope everybody in this room will impress this picture in your mind and think about it some this week. I got two wheels on the screen. Hopefully you notice the one on the left is broken. the reason it is a broken wheel is because self is at the center. And it's from that center hub of self that you make decisions about how you spend your time and how much time you're spending on hobbies and your money and your children that's a broken wheel because folks if we're Christians God should be at the center of our wheel he should be the hub of everything and it's with him at the center that we then make decisions about How much time should I spend with my children versus my job? How much time should I spend with my hobbies? How should I spend my money? We did a a survey not too long ago at Focus Press. Actually, my elders asked me to teach a class to the millennial generation. By the way, if you look around this room, you're going to see the epidemic that's happened all across the United States and that is we're kinda missing an entire generation I told him I said I'll be happy to teach the class but before I do that I want to find out why they've left I want to find out about this 25 to 40 year old group so we did a, a survey and I asked them questions like how much time do you spend actually reading the Bible outside of Bible class outside of the church now I know that all of you can't read all the small font font on the screen but everybody in this room can see this long blue line that represents the number one answer number one answer was zero to one hour per week I asked them alright can you write the minor prophets in order basically it was just asking do you know the books of the Bible And you'll notice, first answer, no. Second answer, I cannot. Third answer, not in order, nope. Finally, somebody starts listing them. The next person said, "Wrote Bible knowledge is meaningless. One person added this. They said, this is really bad, but I honestly can't name any. I know Jonah was a prophet, but I don't know if he was a minor prophet. The prophets are something I definitely need to study. Yikes. I then ask them this follow-up question. How many of the Kardashian family members can you name? Now, if you are in this room right now asking yourself what a Kardashian is, thank you. Because, folks, it is a very immoral reality family that Christians have no business watching. But you'll notice our kids had no problem naming the Kardashians. I asked him, I said, how much time do you spend with home Bible devotionals? The number one answer, we honestly don't have Bible devotionals at home. I said, okay, how much time are you spending on phones, tablets, computers? The number one answer, four to six hours per day. I think this is an answer they actually lied on. Because if you were to look at somebody's screen time on their phone, I think it's probably more than that. But I know some of them use tablets for school and and computers for school. So I, I narrowed it down. I said, all right, how much time are you spending on social media? Number one answer, two to four hours per day. So follow me for just a moment, church. Our kids are spending zero to one hour per week in this book right here outside of church 2 to 4 hours per day in social media anybody see the problem now you want to know why the church has the possibility of being a remnant it's because right now our kids are valuing the world more than God's word in fact I fear that many of our children are placing their identity not in Christ, but in things like sports and and grades and all these various things. Please understand, if we're going to fix this, we've got to rebuild the family the way God intended and then we need the older folks in this room to engage and impact the lives of younger folks. We used to use a word called mentoring. You don't hear about that word very much anymore. But here's what it basically means. It means mature Christians are pouring into the lives of younger Christians, just like God prescribed. If we're going to fix the leak, ultimately we've got to view children the way God does. And we have to teach and disciple them. Two words, teach diligently. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Passage everybody here very familiar with. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one God. This is the very first passage that Jewish children memorize. And you'll notice he then begins this long set of instructions to youth ministers. No. To daycare center workers. Nope. School teachers. Who's he talking to? He's talking to parents. And notice what he says. You shall teach them. How? diligently now I'm going to step on my own toes for just a minute it is hard to say we're teaching our children diligently if all we're using our house for is a pit stop you know we come in we, we change clothes we grab a little quick bite to eat and we're off to our next thing by the way grandparents in this room I'm not letting you off the hook either because two chapters earlier look at what he says deuteronomy chapter four verse nine only take heed to yourself diligently keep yourself lest you forget the things your eyes have seen lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life teach them to your children and your grandchildren wait wait you mean when my kids leave my home I'm not done oh that's what Satan wants you to believe he wants you to believe that when they hit eighteen You don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm here to tell you tonight, as long as you've got a breath in your lungs, you need to be teaching and molding and shaping just like the Bible teaches. In other words, your children need to be your number one mission field. My wife is often asked if she will speak for ladies days and and different conferences and if you guys were to ask her hey would you come speak to our women I can go ahead and tell you right up front what she'd say she would look at you thank you for your invitation and then she would turn you down flatly and she would go on to tell you the reason why she chooses not to do that right now is because she still has children in the home and she feels like her job is to train up those children. Has it paid off? Well, let's see. My oldest son, he's 24 years old. When he was 17, a congregation just outside of Nashville sent out an email. They said, Hey, we've lost our preacher. We need somebody desperately to come fill in for us. I I wrote them back. I actually emailed them and said, hey, if I don't have a seminar that weekend, I'll be happy to help fill in for you. By the way, I've got a 17-year-old son. He would love some opportunity to, to get up occasionally and speak, preach. My son, Will, he went, he spoke. He did Bible class that morning, preached the sermon, preached Sunday night, and they offered him the job a congregation of 12 and you know what my first gut feeling was oh no I was afraid that this congregation dying congregation would actually put the fire out in my son but he told me he said dad I want to do this so he did every Sunday he was driving to this little country congregation and all of a sudden they started growing couple of years later, Will comes to us. He says, hey, I think I found the person I want to marry. By this time, this little congregation was up over 30 members. He started bringing his soon-to-be wife with him. They loved on those two kids. He called me a couple of years ago. He said, Dad, Rachel and I feel like we could do more for the kingdom I kind of laughed I said "Uh, you're already preaching full-time brother he said yeah but you know what I mean he at this point he had a secular job with Amazon delivering packages he had gotten in on the ground floor was kind of in management at age 21 he was making six figures he said I want to go into full-time ministry I said, uh, you, you know, you're probably not going to get paid what you're getting paid through Amazon. He said, yeah, Rachel and I are prepared for that. The day he left Jackson, or Jackson Temple Church of Christ, they had 60 members present from 12 to 60. About six weeks later, my phone rings. It's one of the members at Jackson Temple. They said, "Uh, hey, you got another son, don't you? By this time, Reese was about 18. I said, hey, Reese, Jackson Temple's calling. They want you to go. You you want to fill in for for what Will was doing? And at this point, Reese was already doing fill-in work. He said, Dad, I've already committed. I've got three congregations that are using me every month. He said, I'll be happy to fill in some. But he said, I'm already booked. Now, I I don't tell you that to brag. I tell you that because my wife poured into those children every single day God's Word to the point where now when they stand up to preach, they're preaching from the overflow. Do I think that she's done a good job of making... Yeah, absolutely I do. Now I know some of you in here, you may be thinking, yeah, but Brad, you don't understand. My, my family, we're, we're not the typical leave it to beaver family, to which I would say that's all right. In fact, take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, greatly designed to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to your remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Question. What about Timothy's dad? Oh, that's right. Timothy's dad was a pagan. He was a Greek. So if you are here this evening and you're thinking, Brad, you don't understand. I'm a single mom. I got my kids to raise. it's okay you can raise a Timothy. How do you do it? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation from childhood. Folks, we got to start young. Because Satan is doing everything he can to claim them for himself. Let's get back to those boys for just a moment. You guys thought I forgot them. They've been in the back of that cave for nine days. Guys come up with a light. One of the things that they held when they came up out of the water was an oxygen meter. Now, in order for your brain to function properly, we need about 21% oxygen in the air. That meter started beeping when they came up. It was at 16 and dropping, which meant basically the air that those boys was breathing, it did not have enough oxygen to feed their brains properly. Add to that, the rains kept coming. And you say, but it's okay, Brad, because, you know, the, the, they found them, they, they'll get them out. Yeah, let me make sure you understand Those were Navy SEALs and it had taken them six hours to get to them. Some of those boys didn't know how to swim. And the monsoon rains? (laughs) The monsoon rains kept coming and they knew that if they didn't make a decision to go, it would be October before they could get back to them. And they wouldn't be doing a, a recovery at that point. A rescue it would be a body recovery so they made the decision to go after and I can stand before you this evening and tell you 18 days later all 12 boys and their coach made it out alive it's one of the most dramatic rescue stories of all time if if you haven't watched one of the documentaries there's at least two that I'm aware of out there it's quite literally it was a, a medical First, they actually put the boys to sleep with ketamine, put scuba gear on them, and had a seal, Navy seal, float every one of them out. It's incredible. That didn't come without some cost. In fact, the man you see on the screen behind me, he perished. Had I said his name as I started my lesson, Simon Kunan. most of you in here you probably never heard of him if I say his name over in Thailand everybody knows about it. they've already got statues to this guy he was a retired Navy SEAL who came out of retirement to help this rescue he was staging oxygen tanks throughout the cave because think about it one tanks not gonna be enough for a six-hour journey he got disoriented lost consciousness And ultimately he died. And say, Brad, why are you telling us this? I'm telling you this because it's awfully dark out there and they desperately need the light. And my fear is that some of you in this room, some of you think sitting in a pew is enough. My fear is that some of you think that being good example is enough. Man, we've been told this basically my whole life. I'll just win them over by your Christian example. Okay, think about that for just a moment in this case. Had those Navy SEALs just walked back and forth in front of that cave entrance and said, I'm a good example. At some point you have to go. My fear is that some of you, some of you are thankful you're not the one sitting in the darkness. My fear is that some of you don't really want to get your hands dirty. And let me point out, when you're dealing with people who are lost, there's a good chance you're going to get your hands dirty. My fear is that some of you are just content to let other people do it. Or or maybe you've forgotten who it was that saved you from the darkness. My fear is that in the dark recesses of your heart where only you and Jesus see. Those of you who should have been going in to rescue are actually now in need of rescue. You've, you've kind of sank back out into the world. What about you this evening? How long are we going to let our families stay in the darkness? We're going to sing a, a song of encouragement, and I hope and I pray, if you're in this room and you are not a Christian, a New Testament Christian who has followed the steps—not what some man says, but rather what the Bible says—if you're ready to repent of your sins, if you're ready to to confess the name of Jesus, so that one day He will confess you before the Father. If you're ready to be buried with him in baptism, you can do that today. And the Bible says the angels will rejoice. I promise we will too. For the rest of us in this room, as we sing this song of encouragement, if you realize, you know what, I haven't suited up my children for battle. Or if you realize that, you know what, maybe I haven't taken this war seriously. It's time to get serious, folks. Satan took his gloves off, and he's fighting hand-to-hand combat. And it's time that we yield the sword ourselves. You realize the armor of God, every part of it is defensive except one. And that's the sword of the spirit, which is both offensive and defensive.